This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I've been better. <laughs> Jenny's sick. I'm coming off a really bad week of being sick. Kenny's sick. We're just, as Jenny said before we started, we're a giant Petri dish. It's great. Yeah. The three of us are a Petri dish. We're really excited to be here. But we put off, <laughs> we put off recording. Uh, and if we don't record right now while we're all still sick, we won't have an episode for tomorrow. So just today. So you're welcome, everyone. For, yeah, you're welcome. And Kenny hates us because he has to edit everything tonight. <laughs> Boo. Hence why it's a Skype episode, too. That's why the audio is yes. a little weird today. Yes, we are all Sorry. Skyping. So, yeah. yeah. We thought, well, Jenny, I'm Jenny. I am Jenny. I'm at home. <laughs> so, I'm also talking about myself in the third person now. Um, and I think you two were in the office today, though. Yeah, I went back today. I hadn't been there since Monday. Okay, did so it? So there's that. And Kenny said he felt lightheaded all day. Yeah, I said Kenny didn't look good. Too. Yeah, <laughs> Danelle and Paul both saw me, and they're like, "You, you don't look good. You should." Just... Like Kenny's typically pale, and I can say that because from another one pale person to another, and you were like <laughs> ghost white. <clears throat> like I was like, "Whoa, you don't look good." Yeah, did not feel too hot today. Sweet. Sweet. Love it. Um, great. Um, I was going to just tell you a funny little story that came to my attention um, before we get started. Uh, and it has nothing to do with the puking that I've been doing. <laughs> oh, too bad. That's fun. Uh, but I'm hoping to lose a little weight this way, you guys. I wink, think you wink. might. I think you might. <laughs> I actually ate more when I was sick because I didn't yeah. move and I just kept eating, even though my throat hurt. Yeah, I've discovered anything I eat basically is going to come back out. So I just don't, just not. So take advantage. Actually, right. don't. That's not healthy. Oh my God. Yeah. What is wrong with us? <sighs> okay. So this is the funny story. Um, Donald came upstairs. He started his new job today and he works from home. So he's been in the basement in his office all day. Yay, and Donald. Yay. And he came upstairs and he was like laughing hysterically, carrying his iPad. And I'm like, what are you laughing at? And he goes, um, I just have to show you Izzy's Christmas list. And I'm like, uh -huh. oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. She's 10. Uh, if you guys don't know, she's my stepdaughter. And the first two things were hilarious just because they, it was a bunny and a horse. Oh, my and God. I was like, no, I was like oh, oh, shit. Like, that's what? <laughs> no. <laughs> but what are you going to do, Jenny? Not get her a bunny or a horse. We have three gerbils and four dogs and a fish. I know. The Too girl many animals. Is, she's just like you, though. I know. She loves her animals. Uh, okay, but that wasn't the funny part. Oh, get, got get it. ready. Got I it. I mean, it was funny, but here, here you go. The very last thing on the list. Well, okay, there was something in the middle of the list that was kind of funny that was, um, I want Declan to stop taking my stuff. <laughs> that, was a, that was a Christmas request from Santa or for Santa. <laughs> is to, like, stop her brother from stealing Aww. her items. And then the last one was, um, help me stop farting so much in school. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jenny, she is your daughter. I know she's your stepdaughter, but you are the same person. Stop me from farting so much in school. Do you think they're SBDs, or do you think they're loud? I have no idea, but that is the funniest <laughs> shit I've ever heard. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. 
Oh, that's amazing. I love it. So did she turn this into Donald or how, like, where did he get this? Um, yeah, she wrote it and she left it in her room and then Donald found it and took a picture of it and then came and showed me. And I was so like, it wasn't like a school thing, like where she's turning it in at school. No, it was for us to like, I know, love get it to, to get to Santa. And I was oh, like, Izzy. I was like to fart less. I'm like, is she? <laughs> then I'm like, wait, is she farting a lot in school? Like, should we be concerned? But <laughs> like, I'm like, is there a like, medical issue? Problems? Right. Like I puke a lot. So whatever. That's, that's adorable. Isn't it? I- it is. Oh, Izzy. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to kill me when she gets older and knows that I told everyone. <laughs> You've got to get her like a poop emoji icon or something. Like, I some think I'm going animal to. Or, as like uh, a joke. They also make um, underwear inserts that cover the smell of farts. Oh, they do? Uh-huh. They're made out of like charcoal or something. So I might get her those. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> How was everyone's Thanksgiving? It was good. Pretty uneventful. Oh, uh, well, I was sick on Thanksgiving, too, so... Damn it, it Kenny! As good as it could be. <laughs> yeah, me too, Kenny. I hear ya. Uh, we can edit We can edit this part out. Yeah, that's just, just depressing. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is really gonna bring everyone down a couple notches. <laughs> this, is not, this is not one of our most upbeat episodes, that's for sure. <laughs> Whatever, and my, I told you that my stepdaughter wants to stop farting so much in school. <laughs> and that's, that's all upbeat. she wants for Christmas. <laughs> all less I gas. want for Christmas is less gas. Ooh, baby. <laughs> Sounds so Oh, my good. God. Yes. Yes. All right. Should we talk about survival stories? Let's do it. Oh, did we say what this podcast was about? Oh, shit. We didn't say any of that stuff. Okay, ready? <laughs> We're off um, our game totally i know we're like messed up and we are in the same room okay this is sip survive and repeat and (laughs) this is a podcast about survival stories and wine yes so we usually are in the same room drinking wine goofing around today though the petri dish had to be separated because we can't get each other sick with whatever diseases we have so right um is anyone drinking wine right now no (laughs) are you oh my god are you kidding me? No. That so- it sounds so awful right now. I can't keep water down. So let's right. just all, how about this? If you are a fan of the show, how about you send us um, pictures of your favorite wine and we'll post those on Instagram since we don't have any wine selections for this week. And we could use some recommendations too. Yes. I feel like our wine game has been off the past couple of weeks yes. too. So if you just um, tag us uh, on Instagram at sip, survive, repeat, um, with a picture of your favorite bottle or even just like write it down. Uh, we just want to know what you guys are drinking. Cause we can't, and we're very sad about it. <laughs> I did try to, I did try to have a glass of wine on Thanksgiving and I could barely choke it down. Like I was just like, I can't. Oh, so. Thanksgiving. I was just, I was flowing with the wine. Yeah. There's oh, wine yeah. flowing everywhere. I've been drinking hot toddies. Oh, so, that's like, nice. Bourbon, tea, honey, lemon. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that situation. So anyway. Okay. Let's get to the sober um, survivor <laughs> piece, which well, won't be as fun. I, I feel like we're a little messed up from being um, sick. So that could oh, be I've, dope. I've felt drunk for like five days straight, I feel like. Perfect. Well, that's Perfect. great. You'll yeah. sound wonderful. <laughs> um, All right. So who goes for, who should go first, Kenny? He uh, doesn't know what our stories are. <laughs> that's bother me. Oh bad, bad job producing this one. <laughs> 
Um, do, do you want me to go, Jenny? Or Yeah, no, you go first. Okay. All right. So mine is a survival story of Christine or Christine Karen. And I'm going to start with another character though, first, before we talk to, before we talk about Christine okay. and, um, the first character is Susie Snyder and she's actually a Wait, curator. Why is, oh. why is everybody's name alliteration here? Christine <laughs> Carey, Susan <laughs> Snyder. Okay, go ahead. Christine Karen. Oh, sorry. Um, but Susie Snyder, names. she's a curator at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum. Mm-hmm. And um, she was recent, not recently, but in this interview, she was saying that this, this one artifact, which belonged to uh, Christine, is one of the most significant artifacts in the museum's collection. And she said, you know, they have so, I don't know if you've ever been to the um, Holocaust Museum. I, I believe it's in D.C. And they have. They have like rail cars, which used to deport um, Jewish people from, you know, the ghettos to the the camps and everything. Mm -hmm. And they also have shoes. They have all types of material. But she finds that this piece of um, clothing is her the most special piece and her favorite piece, um, which is a sweater. And it was donated by uh, Christine. And here is Christine's story of survival. Oh, my God. Okay. So... Um, we'll back up to 1943 mm-hmm. and Christine was seven years old. And at this time, um, the Nazis had invaded Poland already. Mm-hmm. And the name of the town, I'm totally going to botch this up, but it's like Lvov, Lvov. Um, so her and her family, she had a younger brother and it was her mom, her dad and her grandmother. And they were living in a ghetto um, in Lvov, Poland. And um, her grandma had actually knitted her this green sweater, which is the sweater that I was just talking about. Uh And her family owned a textile company. So her mother was great at knitting and she made her this special sweater two years prior to Germany invading the town that they lived in. And it was her most favorite sweater and her most like treasured object that she owned. Um, one day after, you know, two years after her grandma gave her the sweater, um, Christine had to watch her grandmother, who she was very close with, be loaded onto a truck and deported by the Nazis. And um, she was most likely taken to a nearby death camp, uh, Belzec, I believe mm-hmm. it's, it's pronounced. And this is she got to her. Her grandmother waved her goodbye as they loaded her up and um Christine was waving back to her. And at that same time, a Nazi guard had bashed her grandmother in the head right in front of her with the butt of his rifle. Oh, Jesus Christ. And she never saw her grandmother again. Oh, my God. So um, now Christine, from this point on, was haunted by this imagery. And her family knew that they had to somehow get out. Like, the town had now been invaded. So they had to figure out a way to escape. And um, during the daytime, right after this happened, her parents worked at a nearby labor camp and her and her little brother would hide in their cramped apartment um, to be able to um, from the Nazis because they would do random checks in the town and roundups. And one of her favorite hiding spots for her brother was she would shove him in a suitcase underneath the bed. And um Right. So she would, she's seven at the time. So she would shove her little brother, which is so smart for a seven year old to, to think on her feet. Yes. Her, her parents were out working in the labor camp. So she had to survive yeah. on her own. So they and, 
like basically her parents were gone and she was the older sibling at seven at seven yes yeah cool yeah that's yeah. good it's totally normal um, and she said just so you after- all know though pause for a second you aren't allowed to leave your kids home alone if they're under the age of eight, according to like a bunch of stuff I've read. Oh, really? Well, I don't think Americans gave a shit about that. Oh, yeah, obviously <laughs> not. I'm just saying, like, seven is young. Yeah, I like, know. You I even... know seven year olds, and they are young. And a lot of the articles I read, they said they talked about how smart she was and how, like, you know, some of the stories of like the hiding places she would come up with with her brother and stuff, and. A lot of times she said once they would come out from hiding, she was always afraid that her brother would have had like suffocated in the suitcase because they were there for a long time. And, and, you know, she would always hide behind one of her favorite spots was behind her, um, her mother's bathrobe. And she knew to tuck her feet under the bathrobe so the the guards couldn't see her. Um, So that was a day to day, you know, they never knew when the Nazis were going to, you know, do the roundups or, or show up. So that was her, her everyday life at the time. And, um, life quickly got worse for her and her family. Um, when the Nazis decided to liquidate the ghetto that they were living in and to avoid being deported or taken from them to a death camp, uh, Christine and her family, they went underground literally. So the story goes, uh, that her dad, actually her dad, and then seven other, um, community members, they found this house and he broke through the bottom flooring of the house and dug a tunnel into the sewer system. And they ended up, you know, living in the sewer system, uh, one day they ran into one of the sewer workers and they were really worried that he was going to tell on them on their hiding spot. And the man actually turned out to be one of their biggest allies. And right. So it was a small group of them. They, it was just a very, uh, she describes it as it was like going to hell. And she recalls descending into the dark sewer and every with screaming voices so it was a long distance, a long tunnel, and then it drops into the sewer. And she said all she could hear is kids screaming, parents screaming. There were other communities living under there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said for this, it was like her, it was like their living hell. Um, also, another sad factoid is that she could hear children playing above. So the German kids that kind of took over the town, she could hear them playing above and cars driving overhead, but they weren't allowed to come up for fresh air or see daylight. And they lived this way for 14 months for over a year. Yeah. So the sewer worker who they befriended very quickly on, they thought maybe he was a spy, like he was going to rat them out or tell on them. But he actually, like I said, befriended them. He would bring them newspapers. He would wash their clothes for them. He would take, you know, take, collect all their clothes because they were infested with lice um, because they were living in the sewer. Mm -hmm. And he would bring them bread and food. And he was their caretaker for 14 months that he did this. And um, they do credit his name in here, which I didn't write down. So I will try to find that in the meantime. Um, She describes the sewer system as a claustrophobic tunnel and unbearable stench and continual sound of water that rose to dangerous heights whenever it rained. So every time it rained, the sewer system flooded and her family would have to hold her up above water. And it was just an everyday thing. Uh, Rats ate their food and they struggled with lice, dysentery, measles. 
Um, and due to the sheer number of sewer rats, she felt like she had no other choice but to coexist with them. And so a couple of the rats became her pets and friends because she didn't have any. Um, again, this, she's eight by this point. So I mean, although as, an eight-year-old. as a gerbil owner, I will say, <laughs> I don't think rodents are that bad. They're fine. Rats but, are really smart. But rats are really smart, but they also are, they bite you and stuff. Well, like, yes. And they carry they a lot of disease. I know. Yeah. I mean, you know. Um, so her father taught her to read in the tunnel and her mother did her best to try to keep her, her and her brother's spirits up. And again, the only part of the, the only outside news of the world that was going on around them was from the good Samaritan. Um, she struggled with her and her family struggled with depression during this time. And they, a lot of times the other people that were down in the sewer system with them, they would lose grip of reality and try to, and they would just freak out and try to crawl out of the sewer systems and they would be shot by the Nazis immediately. Like they never made it out. Oh my God. Um, so she had two choices, stay in the sewer and try to survive, um, or crawl out and get shot by the Nazis. Um, so on one day in July in 1944 that they heard a bunch of bombings and they heard that the Allied forces from Russia had invaded the town and they knew that they could finally exit the sewer system. She said that when she finally climbed out of the sewer, she was malnourished um, and her eyes could barely adjust to the light. It actually took her a very long time to, because living in the darkness for so long to be able to see normal again. Um, during this whole time, though, she held on to the sweater and wore the sweater that her grandmother knitted her. Aww. And this was the only thing that kept her warm and um, also gave her, you know, helped her remember memories from her grandmother and overcome the horrors of the Holocaust as she recovered afterwards. It was her biggest prized possession, and it got her through many nights. Um, after the war, her and her family moved to Israel. She married and became a dentist and eventually mm. immigrated immigrated to the United States and she still had the sweater up until this point. Um, but in 2004, she did something pretty heroic and she donated the sweater to the museum <clears throat> and let it tour the country. And she also decided which, um, in the interview, the curator talks about how it was a very hard decision for her because it's her only linkage to her grandmother and her past and everything that happened to her. But she decided to fully donate the sweater to the museum. <clears throat> and um, it's not on, although it's not on display, mm -hmm. it's still the most popular object and the most requested object to be viewed at the museum. And um, although her grandmother did not survive, she says that um, the curator at the museum, Snyder, says um, it'll help millions kind of – it brings a personal touch mm -hmm. to uh, what happened to millions of people and that it's the one piece that she didn't have to give away, but she decided to. And it's just a, something that can draw a, a line between humanity and what she went through. Um, she also goes on to say that her biggest job, the curator, is to document what pre-war life was like. And the more we can do that and, and let people know or even younger generations know that all these Jewish people, they were businessmen, they were lawyers, they were business owners, they were farmers, and they had community, communities, and they were just discarded in an instant like that. And by showing, like, personal artifacts like the sweater or shoes or rail cars or all of these things, 
it helps make everything real and stop it from happening again. So um, I don't know. I just thought it was a cool story because she's still alive and she still does speeches to this day. And yeah. the fact that she made that sacrifice and donated that sweater. And there's a story behind it. A lot of the artifacts that they do collect, um, they're from, you know, passed down generations and there's not really a super strong story behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's stuff that's being sold on eBay where this is, is donated directly from the person that, you know, went through the Holocaust and survived to tell the story and um, also leaves a legacy for her grandmother as well. So um, that's the uh, survival story of Christine Karen. Oh, my God. Whoa. Yeah. Wellsers. So, is yeah, she, it's kind of a downer, she... but. It's no, I mean, it's, I mean, it's great that she survived. I really like the image of a seven-year-old shoving her brother into a suitcase. So smart. And just so to be able to survive and be that young and, and to live for 14 months. I mean, can you imagine controlling a seven or eight-year-old for 14 months in the sewer system? I mean, no, it, I mean, at first it would be okay. Cause they'd be like, cool. This is like an adventure. But then after like, like cool, a day. Animals. Yeah shit would be going down shit would hit the fan for sure yes, yes. oh my god that's crazy yeah and green, so we'll green post- is my favorite color so and, and the sweaters really is in such good shape we'll post pictures of it it's it's in beautiful shape and um they also talked about in the documentary the cross stitching that her grandma did for the sweater was her own cross stitch like it was her own um i don't know the correct word because i don't cross stitch but it was her own pattern that she made up like it wasn't a pattern that she bought or whatever. So yeah, she was also very talented, I guess is what I'm getting at. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot, man. Okay. T- tell me something. Tell me something good. Well, it's going to be bad and then oh. it's going to be good. <laughs> like, t- like typical stories. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. It's going to be real shitty and then we're going to have a survivor <laughs> and then we're going to circle back and really pull through. Yes. Yes. Great. Okay. So this is the survival story of, of Elizabeth Schof. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Um, she was 14 years old. Okay. And she lived in Lugoff, South Carolina. Okay. It's spelled L-U-G-O-F-F. Lugoff, Lugoff, whatever. Probably, probably Lugoff. We'll, we'll go okay. with that. Okay, great. Um, she was 14. She was getting off the school bus one day. And uh, it was September 2006. So I don't know. I'm math. I can't do that, that math right now. But uh, uh-huh. in the 2000s. Kenny? Any idea? Uh, what, like how many years ago? Yeah. 13? 13 years ago. Thank you, Kenny. Thanks, Kenny. Because I've got one brain cell today. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have about <laughs> one. And together we have three. All right. So she, she was getting off the school bus in September of 2006. And um, a man approached her, and he was dressed in combat fatigues, and he claimed to be a police officer. Oh, no. Red flag. Red flag. Red, 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 red. So um, he gained her trust, and he said that she was being arrested um, for uh, possession of marijuana. Okay. Okay. And here's where things get real janky. He takes her and walks her around in the woods until she's disoriented what? which is like yeah he's just walking her around the woods okay 
Um, and finally, once she doesn't know exactly where she is, he takes her over to a hand dug 15 foot no. bunker no. near his trailer home. Oh. And just so you know, this is a mile. A within 15 a mile wait, a 15 foot hand bunker. dug bunker. I missed the 15 feet part. Wow. Like 15 I mean, feet intense. under the ground or 15 feet like an area? I think 15 feet under the ground, right? Under the ground, I would think. But okay. don't, it didn't really say. It just said a 15 foot bunker. Okay. Regardless, and that's I have, very low. That's, that's a lot of digging. That's a fuck ton of digging. <laughs> that's a lot of shoveling. Mm-hmm. And I hope he used a shovel. Because at first when I read it, being sick Jenny, I was like, hand dug? His fingernails must be a mess. <laughs> like, what he probably is wrong has with no me? Fingernails right now. <laughs> Jesus. And then I'm like, oh, they mean like he used like a hand shovel. tools. Hand tools to dig. <laughs> okay. He used modern tools to dig that, not his fingernails. But... <laughs> <laughs> or he didn't use a spoon. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know what's wrong with me. Okay. Um, so anyway, so it's also within a mile of her own home. Oh, so she's, only, she's See, less than a mile from her house. To me, that's such the saddest thing when someone goes missing and they're so close to home. Agreed. And, and their families look at, you know what I mean? Ugh, mm-hmm. Like those girls in Cleveland that went missing. I know. Um, and they were like just right miles there. from their home. Yeah. Right. They were in the same neighborhood. Um, okay. So once he got her inside the bunker, he stripped her naked and he restrained her with chains um, one of the articles I read said that he put her put a, tra- a chain around her neck, kind of like a dog collar, um, and he held her there held her there for ten days. Oh um, my god! So some uh, things that she did to try and get found, which I thought were smart. Um, she uh, when she was being led through the woods, she dropped her shoes in the hopes that they would provide a clue. For someone searching for her. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, awful to be barefoot, but I guess better to be barefoot than dead. So, right. great. It's drop those the, shoes. It's probably the easiest thing she could, like, kick off or drop versus, like, right. you know, you can't, like, take off your shirt and drop that. Or a sock. Like, that's going to be obvious. Yeah. Um, so, while she was uh, being held, she would receive ongoing death threats from this guy. Um, she had explosives that he would hang around her neck just mm. to scare her. Um, but she said, despite this, um, she would try and talk to him about things that interested him. Um, so he, she kept trying to make him see her as a person and not just a captive or an object. So Smart. 14 years old, working on gaining this loser's trust. Yeah. She's like, I got to survive this. Um. So this was the other thing she did. She started to gain his trust more and more each day. And sometimes she was allowed out of the bunker and she would pull out strands of her hair and lay them on branches, hoping so that search smart. dogs might pick up her scent. Yeah. Wow. That's very smart. Okay. I'm like, girl, she's, she's for sure a murderino. Like what? What? She definitely she's, is. I was not that smart it. at 14. That's for sure. <laughs> I would have just been crying. All the I know. Time. I was crying. Cool. I know. That's like too. what happened yesterday when I started getting sick. I just started crying. <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> no, you guys. I can't be sick. Okay. So, uh, at first, this is frustrating. When she first went missing um, in September, 
the police initially said she's definitely a runaway. Oh, why? So rude. Because I don't, I don't know. You would think like I get like in the eighties and nineties, like that was kind of a thing. Yeah. But I feel like in the two thousands, we all kind of know that they're. It's generally not a runaway. Right. Or maybe it is. Maybe I'm dumb. I don't know. But it just no. seems like if the parents are coming to you and saying my kid is missing and they would never run away, you kind of have to take their word for it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, um, finally, uh, they didn't uh, launch an Amber Alert, and um, she was trying to be really calm and collected, and she knew that she might have to escape herself. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. So 14 years old, thinking, well, I'm fucked. I would also like to say that the sheriff department, sheriff's department in this story is in Kershaw County. And I would like to tell all of our listeners that my maiden name is Kershaw. So I thought that was was named after you. Abby. Yeah. They were like, (laughs) listen, you know what we're going to do? No, I just think it's really funny that I picked this story off the internet. Like I usually do without like really doing a ton of research. And then as I'm reading it, I'm like, Kershaw County. Look at that. He was meant to be. It's fight. So anyway. (laughs) Okay. Um, So after 10 days in captivity uh, and trying to, you know, convince him that she, you know, she wanted to be there, that she was falling in love with him, that she, like, all this stuff that she was doing to try and manipulate him, she finally convinced him that she was really bored and wanted to play games on his cell phone. Oh, okay. So he gives her his cell phone. Dummy. (laughs) Dummy. What a dumbass. So as soon as he fell asleep, Elizabeth started texting her mother and her friends um, who contacted police. And um, this, an- another frustrating part, get ready. Before the police could triangulate the phone number, Sheriff Steve McCaskill thought that the text was a hoax. Oh my God, are you kidding me? No. Mm-mm. So uh, thankfully, a former girlfriend of the kidnapper uh, made a call and gave them uh, the abductor's cell phone number. Could the these police. police have done it any, every, uh, did they do anything right? I mean, they didn't even do an Amber alert. <laughs> I mean, eventually I think they did, but like they didn't do it right away, which is like the worst. Cause it, what it, they say after the first like 48 hours, like you're pretty much shit out of luck. Yeah. Oh my For God. most cases. Thankfully that's not the case here. But, um, so then they are like, Oh cool. That is the phone number. So they triangulate to the bunker's position through local cell phone towers. I love when people triangulate. I know. I love triangulation. Me too. Um, Okay. So it says officer Dave Tomley did not know that Elizabeth Schof was underground in a bunker until the, uh, the abductor, I keep trying to not say his name because I fucking hate him. Um, But his name is Philia. That's his last name. So until Philia's former girlfriend showed the first bunker he built. Oh yes, that's right. He's built many bunkers. Oh, it's his uh-huh. pastime activity. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Um, so as they started searching the grounds, they kept finding bunker after bunker after bunker. Oh my God. Do you think this was his like first person that he's put in a bunker? Probably not. Yeah. No, I think it is, but he, like, was trying to figure out, like, the best way to build it and how to make it deep enough and how, like, all that crap. 
Okay. Like, I think he was trying to, like, figure it out. Um, and his ex-girlfriend was like, this guy's a fucking lunatic. Here's the first bunker he built. So <laughs> I bet he has her in a bunker. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but Philia, I can't say his name, this dickwad, <laughs> equipped the entrance of the bunker with a booby trap, according to police. Now, they don't tell me what the booby trap is. So I don't know. Um, but here's the thing that that sheriff that was kind of doubting um, that the text that was sent out was real. Um, he decided to put it on the evening news. Okay. Well, guess what? Phil, Phil y'all had in his bunker. A TV. A TV. Hey, a TV. Hey, look so at so us. We can as, guess. As soon as he saw this story about this text, he was in a rage. Oh my God. What and so dick. then Elizabeth is like, fuck, he's going to kill me now. Like, I thought yeah. that would help, but now I'm going to get killed because the police decided to put it on TV. So anyway, he doesn't. He asks Elizabeth, what should oh I God. do? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what should I do? <laughs> I would suggest killing yourself. No, that's so terrible. I I'm sorry. I do not support suicide. Um, she said, I would get out of here because they're going to find me soon. And you, if you get caught with me, you're going to get arrested and sent to jail. But if you don't get caught, you can just be on the run. And he's and like, he, yeah. He was right. like, yes. That is what he said. Yeah. You're right. right. I'm like, who is this guy? He is the dumbest mf -er I've ever seen. But, I mean, no. There's a lot of dumb motherfuckers out there. Um, so, anyway. Uh, sorry, just looking. Um, so, Philia... Once he freaked out, asked Elizabeth what to do, asked his, you know, captive person what captive, to do. How to handle uh, the situation. He, ra he ran away uh, and he left her in the bunker. So she emerged once she thought it was clear. And there were helicopters flying overhead. And um, she said, I was so scared I was going to die or he'd come back. Um, but anyway. Oh, my God. So that's how she got <laughs> out. He literally... Yeah. He did, literally freaked out. He and took her because, advice and because left. she was like, "You should leave. You should leave." Oh my god! What a dummy! Um, so she's outside the bunker. She's yelling and screaming, and finally she heard someone yell her name. So they were yelling Elizabeth, and she said, "I just started crying, and they took me to the hospital. I was happy." Oh my god! Wait, so, how long was she in there for? Sorry, ten ten days. Wow. Yeah, in this gross ass bunker. Um, Celia was five miles from his house. And when they caught him, he had a taser, a pellet gun, and a knife. Oh. Um, and he was immediately charged with kidnapping, possession of incendiary devices, which is a flare gun, uh, and impersonating a police officer with other charges pending. Obviously, he's going to get charged for all the other bullshit he did to this poor girl. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, let's see. 17 months after this all happened, Philia uh, actually confessed to everything. He pled guilty instead of going to trial. So at least he was like, yeah. He's, at least he's owning up to, you know why? Because he's like, I'll build a tunnel in jail. <laughs> he's like, I got this bunker thing down. <laughs> or a bunker. I'm, I'll build a bunker in jail. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was sentenced to 421 years in prison with no oh, chance wow. of parole. Oh, my God. 421 years. Yeah, he's never getting out. <laughs> <laughs> Loser. But... It's, it's really interesting. Madeline and Don Schof, Elizabeth's parents, said, 
I don't think the punishment is enough. And I wish there was a death penalty for what oh, he did. Wow. I, mean, I was like, damn, Gina. But yeah, I would feel the same way. That's just like, come on. That's just like being a parent, like wanting, yeah. you know. Like you, you would defend to the death your children. So I get the statement. Um, but 421 years without parole is pretty harsh. And I like it. He also had been, uh, I think, maybe on parole for another sex, uh, sex offense with a minor, a different minor. Um, obviously it didn't involve a bunker, but, um, I think he either attempted or did rape another minor, uh, in the recent history. Um, but then he, I think that's when he got caught. I think that's when he decided I gotta be sneakier about this. And then he started building bunkers in the hopes that he could, you know, get someone to be his sex slave, I guess. To be his bunker slave. Ugh. But Gross. Elizabeth Shope was like, fuck off. And she gained his trust and escaped herself. And that's a damn smart 14-year-old. Yeah. Is what I the can hair. Say. I'm so impressed with by the hair part. Oh, I know. I'm like, like girls, what you doing? I love it. So anyway, that's, that's my awesome. story as a, of Elizabeth surviving from the bunker. Kershaw, from Kershaw County. From Kershaw County. So that's what I got. Kenny, you got some weird Kenny, news what do you for got? us? Got some weird news. So, a man was arrested for doing what to a phone company? To the company itself? To the company itself. Is this like an old school phone company? Well, no, because this is current. Is this a current story? Ah, uh, yes, it's a current story. Okay. Hmm. Um, so like a Verizon, I would think. Um, uh, it's in Japan, so it's probably some Japanese company. Okay. But... Okay. Was he uh... stealing data? Was he somehow? Okay. Was he tapping their phones instead of them tapping his phones? That's stupid. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he was arrested yeah, was... for calling the company 24,000 times to complain about them. Oh my god. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, hold on. I, uh oh, here she goes. Sorry. I would, I would like to do that with my phone company. Sprint, if you're listening, you need to up your game in the Northeast Ohio region. It's shit. Maybe that, that was his, what was he complaining about, Kenny? Uh, he was complaining that he wasn't able to pick up certain radio broadcasts, and he would call multiple times a day f- over a two-year period to vent about it and just show his frustration. But that was over a two-year period? That doesn't seem... I mean, seem... still, that's like... How many calls a day? Get your calculators that's at out. at least 20, or at least 30 calls a day. Okay. Oh, Jesus. Ever... Okay. Yeah, and to call a phone company, I mean, you're on hold at least 45 minutes just to even talk to somebody. Let's see, so I'm do doing think... the math right now. Oh, so God. called at least 27 times a day. Oh. That's, no, thank you. I've got better Mm-mm. things to do. Mm-mm. I mean, he, that means he was on the phone at least, like, if the average call is two minutes, he's on the phone at least an hour a day. But, I mean, Ye- the calls yuck. had to be longer than two minutes. One yeah, thing. for sure. I didn't, they must have some different laws in Japan. I feel like you could call anyone you want here to complain. Well, at first the police were reluctant to (laughs) say anything or do anything, but um, they're charging them for obstruction of business. What? It's like, (laughs) he was obstructing their customer service from actually doing their job. 
Sweet. You, I wonder if he did anything else, like sent emails, like sent letters. Like I feel in like emails consistent calling. I feel like emails or texts or anything would be better than calling that much. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's seventy one years old, so he probably didn't know how. Oh, to do that. oh yeah. No, no. I mean, there he literally go. had nothing else to do with his days. Probably. Okay. Now we're talking. Now I know what's happening. Oh, I could just picture a little old seventy-year-old doing that. Makes oh, sense. Yeah. Makes sense. It's all coming together now. It's all making all sense. Yeah, <laughs> the fog is clearing from my head. <laughs> I one, love Kenny. it. I like. I just had the least amazing answer. He was stealing data. <laughs> At least you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> better than mine. <laughs> I love it. Well. From a whole bunch of sick sip survive repeaters. Um, this is episode something in the 40s. God, can you <laughs> believe it? No, it's soon it'll be a year. We're gonna celebrate a year soon. Crazy. Thank you um, for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. Follow us on social media. If you have ideas or wine that you want to send our way, uh, suggestions are always welcome because we're we run out of ideas and we just yeah. go to like the gas station or the convenience store so we could use better better ideas even survival <laughs> ideas oh yeah we're into that too um and don't forget if you guys leave us a rating and a review on i uh apple podcast i was gonna call it iTunes again, you guys <laughs> yep apple podcast you can get a sticker so send us your screenshots so that's it for this week we'll see you next week bye bye Hey guys, it's Jenny from Sip, Survive, Repeat, and we love our listeners, but we want to get some more ratings and reviews. So if you guys could log on to Apple Podcasts and then give us a rating and a review, we'll send you a sticker. All you need to do is send us a screenshot of your rating and your review to either our email, sipsurviverepeat at gmail.com, or direct message us, or DM us as the kids like to say, on any social media. So all you have to do again is rate and review on Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot of that and send it to us at one of the channels I just mentioned. And we'll send you a Sip, Survive, Repeat sticker. And it's big, you guys. Size of your hand at least. So again, send it to us and we'll see you soon.